So good to worship with you guys this morning. Uh, we are, we're here today to, to celebrate and to remember and reflect on um, the greatest event that's ever happened in history. It's, it's literally changed the world. It's changed life. And that, that's why we're here to gather, that Jesus, God himself, showed up. Uh, he entered humanity. He lived life. He died on a cross. And then three days later, he rose from the dead. This is the Easter story. Um, somewhere around 77% of Americans will celebrate Easter in one form or another today. Um, but here's the thing. Celebrating Easter has taken on a whole lot of other meanings. You notice this? We, we can say that, that there's a lot of things that have been added, connected to, that surround the Easter story that potentially distract us from the actual meaning of Easter. Draws our attention, captures our attention. Uh, as a kid, I, I grew up in the church and I was definitely a kid who was distracted at Easter. Uh, it's so funny, my son was sat with me uh, last service and I'm, I was my son. It's God's gift to me. Uh, we get distracted at Easter, but for me as a kid, uh, there was one specific thing that distracted me. It was a little bird uh, that distracted me. This little bird is known as the peep. <laughs> Peeps are uh, pretty incredible, and also, like, I can't believe we consume these things. <laughs> I, I read an article this week that there's somewhere around 1.7 million peeps that are consumed at Easter. That is so much sugary goodness, right? Anybody like Peeps still? Any Peeps fans? They're coming for you. Try not to hit somebody. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe Peeps isn't your thing. Who's the, who are my peanut butter egg people? I said last service. I, I'm pretty sure that those originated in heaven and they were sent down on a beam of light and given to us. I'm a peanut butter egg person too. Maybe you've got a different candy, maybe Cadbury eggs. I don't know what it is for you. Oh, wow. We're for real with the Cadbury eggs. So there are things around, around Easter, around the story of Easter, around the celebration of Easter that capture our attention, right? They, they get our attention, they get our focus, uh, they, they capture our desires, there's things that we want uh, around Easter. In fact, we just kind of had an Easter egg hunt, right, with all of our kids. They were pretty stoked about Easter eggs. I think, look like it to me, right? Many of us, we come into this morning and, and we know the significance of the story of Easter. We, we know why we celebrate. We, we know who Jesus is, what he came and did, and it's, it's a reminder to us and it changes our lives and it didn't just change our life when we gave our lives to Jesus, it changes our lives every single day that we live. Some of us come to the story of Easter or come to a service today and we're here simply because it's a tradition. It's a, it's a family tradition. It's your grandparents' tradition. It's your parents' tradition. That around this season, this time, it's, it's time to put on your, your Sunday best. And it's time to show up to, to church and maybe eat a honey ham after service. Like, you just do that. Yes. We got some fans of Cadbury eggs and honey ham in this general <laughs> section over here. <laughs> 
right? These are traditions, and, and, and we just kind of follow along with them. It's, it's a time where you give extra hugs to family members that maybe you never talk to the rest of the year. It's very interesting that we do things like that. Uh, some of us are here today, and we honestly were a bit skeptical. And I totally get it. We're skeptical of the Easter story, because how could something that happened 2,000 years ago how could it still be affecting our lives today? Why should we care about something that happened 2,000 years ago? And I get, like, how does that work out? Why does it make sense? It's amazing to me, no matter what our story is or what our experiences are or what our focus is on or what's captured our attention, here we are again, it's 2022, it's Easter, and we're here to investigate the story of Easter. What does it mean? What does the resurrection of Jesus actually mean for us today? How does it impact our lives? Is it really just a, a socially acceptable time for the pastor to wear a suit coat when he normally doesn't? Um, or, or a time to gather for a, a nice meal or eat sugary things that are so bad for us? Or does it have... <laughs> Jake, I think that was your kid. <laughs> He does deserve a medal. Or, or as, we, as we press into this story today, could it potentially change our life? And, and for those that are new, that have never been a part of this story, and for those that have been following Jesus, is it, is it possible that Jesus wants to change things in your life today? In order to fully understand the power of Easter, we need to look at a big problem that Easter solved. That's what makes it powerful. In the beginning of the scriptures, in the book of Genesis, is the story of creation. God spoke things into existence. Out of the darkness, he formed life. He brought order. He separated the water from the land, light from darkness. He created the world that we live in. He created the, the plants and the animals. And, and in the end of the story, he creates mankind. He breathes life into their lungs. He gives them life. And it, and it says that, that mankind walked with God in the coolness of the day. So there's this, this beautiful picture. There's so many things that were present in the beginning of the story. Mankind filled with the life of God, the breath of God, in relationship with God, walking with him in the coolness of the day. There was a beautiful connection between the creator and the created. There was this partnership between Adam and Eve. They were given dominion over the earth. They were meant to work together, to be workmates together on the earth. And they were called to have dominion. They were called to go forth and multiply and to cultivate life in the world. This is what we have in the beginning of the story. Then, this massive shift occurs. And in Genesis chapter three, Adam and Eve are convinced to believe that God, he's not really as good as you think he is. His intentions are not necessarily for your good. He's holding out on you. And they believe this. They believe the lie. And because of that, they moved away from God's original intention and design. And sin entered the world. And a separation was created between mankind and God. No longer did they walk with God in the coolness of the day in a harmonious, beautiful relationship. In fact, in the story, they run and they hide in fear insecurity, uncertainty. They didn't know how God was going to react or treat them. There's a, a number of deaths that took place 
in the very beginning. And honestly, from the creation story, the creation account, we can see the origin of all of the evil in the world that we experience today. It's all here in the beginning of the story. First, there was a death in the human heart. The human heart uh, became twisted and selfish, bent inward. You don't need to look very far to see in the world that there's sin. True? Maybe it was just looking in the mirror this morning. (laughs) Don't look at your spouse or your kids right now. (laughs) We don't have to look far. It's evident all around us. There's something that is off. Something that happened in the human heart. We were, we were born into sin, into selfishness. And the scriptures call it sin, which means to miss the mark. So the gift that God had given, instead of living in that and thriving in that, we decided to take a right. And because of that, we've missed his intention and his design. And now all that it creates is death and destruction. That's the story. There was a death in relationship to God. Again, Adam and Eve, they went into hiding which makes zero sense. The God who spoke creation into existence, like they're gonna hide from him or something. They go hiding into the bushes. Why? Because the relationship with God died. The harmonious relationship with God, the trusting relationship with God, that he was good and their provider, he was gonna care for them. Something was broken, something was fractured. There's a death in the relationship to God. Have you noticed that, that when bad things happen in your life, Maybe you've had a few. Maybe you're, maybe you're walking in one of them right now. Have you noticed that when you're experiencing something difficult, maybe it's, maybe it's health issues or, or family issues or someone you've lost, you're walking through loss. Have you found that when you're doing that, when you're walking through the most difficult things in your life, your natural response is to question God's love and care, not trust it. Something broke in the beginning where when we walk through something difficult, we automatically wonder if God cares or God is with us. There was a death that happened in our relationship, which leads into a death in relationship to others. I can guess that maybe you've been harmed by a few friendships or relationships in your life. People have, have marked you by their decisions. Adam and Eve, they... They disobeyed and they quickly revert to blaming each other and pointing the fingers. It was her fault. It was the serpent's fault. It was So the, the idea that God created us to partner and work together, something died in the relationship and we began to blame each other for the problems instead of work together. That's what happens in the story. Finally, there's a death in relationship to creation. Scripture states that cursed is the ground because of you. And it goes on to describe that that their relationship with creation itself is going to be a difficult one. So those of you that have started doing your spring yard work and you're pulling weeds out of your garden and your yard, you can thank Adam and Eve. This is the story. They jacked things up in the beginning. And because of that, there has been tension in our relationship with creation. There was a death. Now, remember, the beginning of the story, this was not God's design. This wasn't his heart's desire. This wasn't his intention. But disobedience brought this death. And the world since this moment has been spinning in a certain level of chaos and confusion ever since the beginning. And we all encounter that in our lives. All is not well. There's something out of alignment in the world. And we're affected by it. 
Now let's fast forward uh, to 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus. And I want to look at some, a letter that Paul wrote to his friends in Rome that is a great reminder to us today of why Easter is a celebration, why it's good news for all of us. Let's turn there, Romans 6, verse 20. Here's what he says. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is what? Death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, this may seem like a strange text to read on Easter. It's not the resurrection story. But really, anything that Paul writes is about the resurrection story. Because everything that he writes is about Jesus and what Jesus has accomplished. And this is what he's talking about in, in Romans. New life is possible because of Jesus. And death is finished, and its effects and its power is finished because of Jesus. That's the story. Jesus entered the grave, and then he got back out again. He didn't stay there. He has ultimate power and authority over all things. The way Paul illustrates this, it's, it's too good to move past quickly. He uses two terms, wages of sin and the gift of God. Wages of sin and the gift of God. And we're, we're all familiar with wages. You familiar with what wages are? If, you, if you're a working person or maybe you've, you've had a job or you're working in a job, when you do a job, you get paid wages, right? It's your wages for your work. Kids in the room, that might be a, a term you don't know yet, uh, but maybe you do some chores around the house, right? You help mom and dad out, uh, you clean your room, and maybe you do some vacuuming and dusting, and at the end, they give you a, a roof over your head. <laughs> and food on the table. I'm kidding. Some of you, I'm not kidding. <laughs> some, some of you, some of you maybe get a, an allowance. Okay, those are wages. You're being paid for, for work. Paul states that the wages of sin is death. Meaning, when we make choices that miss the mark, when we go against the grain, against the design that God intends, against his way, the payoff for that is death. That's what Paul is, is arguing. So follow me in this illustration for a moment. That's <clears throat> where it's going to get fun. Imagine, imagine it's the end of the work week, and for the sake of the illustration, I'm going to be your boss today. And let's imagine that today you're going to get paid for all the ways you have missed the mark. All the ways, and, and let's, not, let's not think about your whole life because we don't got enough time. Let's just think, let's just think about this morning <laughs> or this last week. 
And, and let's say that at the end of service, we're all gonna line up, I'm gonna stand by the door, and as you leave, I am going to pay you out your wages for your decisions this week. How much money are you making? What, what are your wages? And don't look at your spouse or your kids. I'm talking, you think about yourself. What are your wages going to be? What's your paycheck going to look like? This is Paul's language. But in Romans, there's a very important thing he does before he gets to chapter six. In chapter three, he makes this statement, and I'm gonna paraphrase. Everybody's getting paid. Everybody's getting paid. He says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So there's not a person that will leave here today that ain't getting paid. There's not a person walking this earth that ain't getting paid. We're all paid because we've all fallen short. We've all missed the mark. We've all gone against God's design. We've all sinned. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all getting paid. We have earned that. We have earned that. You know what we have not earned? Life. Forgiveness. Grace. Mercy. Love. And this is why Paul doesn't use the same language. He doesn't use the same language. He doesn't say that God pays wages for your work and what you're doing. He says that God gives the free gift of life through his son. And it's a gift. It's not something that you earn. It's something that is freely given to you and you receive it. And so it's not that we work hard to be good Christians and then God pays us at the end of the day. Actually, we screwed that up so many times over. The goodness of God is that he freely gave his son even though we got pocket full, pockets full of cash, wages of death. This is unbelievable. All of us are filthy rich <laughs> in our wages and our not so awesome actions over a lifetime and we're weighed down by that reality. Personally, there may be things that you're carrying today that nobody else knows in your life, but it, it actually is crushing your soul. Like it is overwhelming. You feel the pressure and the weight, the condemnation and the guilt and the shame, and it's overwhelming. And you try really, really hard to not act like that, but it's there. And not just your own stuff, like the people sitting around you or your neighbors or your friends, they've got stuff going on in their life too and they mark and mar your life with their bad and errant decisions. And so not only are you carrying your own wages for sin and wrongdoing, you get affected and harmed by other people in this world who are trying to live and do things right but keep screwing it up. And that is heavy. And so we're swimming in, in the brokenness of humanity. And knowing this, God so loved the world that he sent his son into the wages of death. Think about this, quite literally into death. God entered death himself to make something very clear. His love conquers death. His love conquers sin. 
His love conquers the wages. His love washes away the wages of sin. His love redeems and restores. His love can make right what's wrong. His love can resurrect what's dead. Only God can do that. That's the good news of Easter. God resurrects the dead. He has power over sin and death. All the things that we think separate us from him were canceled and washed away in Jesus. Anybody grateful that God is more powerful than sin and death today? That, that is the good news. And that's true for you today and that's true for you tomorrow. And all that's required on our end to live into this reality is belief, believing that Jesus actually did what I just described. That he actually is God who holds the keys of life, that he actually knows the beginning and the end, that he orchestrates the universe, that he holds our life in our hands, that he knows the number of hairs on your head, that he knew you before you were born. It's believing that those things that are, are true, that's true for you. Where sin entered the world and brought death and continues to bring death, Jesus entered the world and brought life, the resurrection and the life, and he continues to do that today. He continues to resurrect what's dead. Do we believe that today? Do we believe that Jesus resurrects the human heart? That what died in the garden is given new life in Christ? What, what was put in a grave actually came out of the grave. He turned graves into gardens. I love that we sing that song. He turned graves into gardens. He resurrects the human heart. When we turn our lives over to Jesus, we turn over the brokenness of our sinful lives and he redeems and he restores. We tend to try to hide that and try to not let people know that that's there. It's actually in surrendering that our lives are transformed, that our hearts are made new. Scriptures talk about being born again. You're starting over in the grace of God. Second, he, he resurrects our relationship with God. Maybe we have this natural tendency to think that God is some angry dude in the sky that's just ready to club us when we make mistakes. We get this picture, we develop this picture of an angry tyrant. And, and when we believe in Jesus, we actually believe something very different about God, that God humbled himself, he came and walked amongst us as a servant to show us, listen, I love you. And I'm willing to take your brokenness on myself because I love you. Jesus restores our relationship with God. He makes right what is wrong. Jesus resurrects our relationship with others. Again, if you're in relational tension, uh, that's part of existing. But there's this beautiful reality. When we give our lives to Jesus, our hearts are made new. And by his spirit, he fills us with his spirit. We lack nothing in Jesus. So here's how it affects relationships. Most of the problems that happen in relationships are because I feel like I'm missing something and I'm going to get it from you. You name it. Whether it's peace or joy or happiness or success, the, the, the strains and the difficulties that happen in relationships are due to trying to take from somebody else what we feel like we don't have. 
When you surrender your life to Christ, he gives you himself, his spirit, and you lack nothing in Christ. And so in your relationships, you actually have something to offer because you are overflowing with the goodness of God. When people are not being awesome around you, which is gonna happen, you can show grace and love, unconditional love. Why? Because that's what God has shown you in Christ. It's amazing what happens in a relationship when you begin to live selflessly. Things start to kind of get better. Jesus resurrects our relationship with others. Lastly, Jesus resurrects our relationship with creation. Our hearts shift from being consumers to being cultivators of life. It's not about kind of beating the world in submission. It's about caring for what God has given us as a gift. The resurrection, the story of the resurrection, the story of Easter, God brings things that are dead to life. He gives new life. Believing in Jesus, it's not just about where you go when you die. Did you know that? It's very important. Jesus is the only way. But what's interesting is, God came and walked amongst us and he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Meaning, the kingdom of heaven is right in front of us when we choose the way of Jesus. And I believe, I believe that as we live under the leadership and authority of Jesus and we follow him and we love as he loved us, the world actually sees the kingdom of heaven in existence today. And do you know what the world needs to see right now? The kingdom of heaven in existence today. The world needs to see, the world is desperate for what only God can offer. They just don't know it. It's available to us because of Jesus. Worship team, you guys can, can join me. I'll close with this. If, if today you, you can connect with, you can relate to feeling the weight of your wrongdoing, your mistakes, your sins, and, and you're condemned and you feel shame and you feel overwhelmed and you can't, it's, it's just, you spend a lot of time disconnecting from that because it's uncomfortable, but that is something that you experience. I'm telling you today, there's a reason that you're here. Jesus knows your name and he wants to set you free from that. He wants to redeem your life. He wants to give you life where there's death. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you think about these different areas, your relationships with God or your relationship with other people and, and there's some resurrection that needs to happen. There's some death that you're experiencing that needs new life. I'm telling you, putting your hope in Jesus is really the only solution. <laughs> only Jesus is gonna resurrect what's dead. And maybe today you're here, you're tuning in for that reason. Jesus wanted to talk to you personally and say, you can trust me. You can trust me with your life. Maybe you've been trying hard to order your world and kind of fix your problems and mend relationships. And no matter what you do, it doesn't seem, bless you, 
No matter what you do, no matter how hard you try or how, how, how well you order your world, it just doesn't seem to fix the problem. Here's what you're running into. You cannot resurrect what's dead. Only Jesus can. And it's accepting that reality. It's accepting that you're not the answer to, to your own sin or anybody else's. Only Jesus is the answer to sin. It's surrendering. It's giving yourself up. It's saying, God, I can't, but I believe that you can. That is believing in Jesus. It's trusting him as the salvation for your soul. Today might be a new day for you. If you want to experience new life, it's a simple act of surrender. It's a decision to say, I believe in you, Jesus. My sin's too much for me, and I'm going to turn away from that, and I'm going to trust you. Will you pray with me this morning? God, we are here today by your grace. <laughs> the only thing that gets us in this room is your grace. There's a lot that we deserve today. Yet, you continue to pour out your goodness and your kindness. You continue to demonstrate your love, your forgiveness. And if there's anybody here this morning that would say, I, I just, I need to believe I want to believe. I want to put my hope in Jesus today. There's nothing supernatural about this, but I, I want you to just wave at me because there's some sort of action when we take an action on that that makes our belief real. <laughs> when we tell somebody else, when we make it, when, we, when I connect with you eye to eye in this decision, there's something about that that is important for us. If that's you this morning, I'm looking over to my right. If that's you today, you need to respond. Maybe you need God's resurrection power in your relationships or in your own life. If that's you, just wave at me today. Yes, 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 yes. I see those hands. In the middle, anybody in the middle? Yes, yes, I see, yes, I see those hands. Yes, yes, God is so good. God loves you so much, my goodness. Anybody over to my left, if that's you this morning, yeah, he sees you. He knows your story. He knows your pain. He knows your fear. He knows your frustrations. He is enough. He can hold you, and he's got great things in store for you. Yes, he's got great things in store. He can redeem what's broken. He can bring life. He can. Over to my far left, if that's you, yes. He sees you this morning. Yes. <laughs> he knows your name, my friend, and he cares deeply. Yes. Yes. Lord, we, we stand in the gift of your grace today. We want to be people who follow your lead. We believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. We stake our lives on that. Guide us and lead us as we learn what it means to trust you. To learn to be a people who say yes to Jesus and then live out a life of trust and obedience. Strengthen us in that. We pray this in your name. Amen.